9 o'clock. Appreciate you joining us. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It is snowing like a son of a gun right now. Drive safe out there. It is Valentine's Day today. And a happy Valentine's Day to you and your significant other. What's the most unusual thing you've done together to celebrate Valentine's Day? Keep it clean, pile. Keep it clean. Also, the athlete that you love to watch that doesn't play for a team that you root for. Paul says, I love to watch people I love to watch that don't play for my team. Alex Ovechkin and Messi in soccer. Best Valentine's going to Maui for two weeks. Among the things we did, we watched the surfers on the massive wave called Jaws, 60 to 70 foot tall. Go check out Jaws on YouTube. Also camped in beautiful Hana, I believe. Hana? 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 For two days. Jumped off Black Rock, snorkeled, went, and saw the whales. Drank great wine and ate wonderful fresh fish. Developed my famous pineapple margarita. Oh, pineapple margarita. Color me curious about that, Paul. Mm-hmm. And that sounds fantastic, but but that's not like Haas taking his wife to watch bull riding. No, no. Your, your significant other was thrilled with that. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? I'm just I'm curious about the ones and that's great and I'm Paul I appreciate you sharing that because that's some fascinating stuff and I'm interested in that pineapple margarita. But the ones that they're just like bizarre out there, a little bit a little bit out of the norm, like our good friend Haas taking mm-hmm. his wife to watch bull riding. Which, like we said before, if she loved bull riding, there's nothing wrong with that. We get the impression she does not like bull riding. Was not thrilled to go there for Valentine's Day. So, Paul, we appreciate you submitting yours today. And if you got one you want to send to us today, please do. 970-242-1340. Or Larry listens every day. Thank you, Larry. Mm-hmm. More days than I listen. No kidding. See, Dom likes watching Patrick Mahomes and the craziness that he that he does with the football. Uh, the time they watched a horror movie marathon when we first got together because... I had Rio's opinion of them, so Dom that not... scared the living daylights out of not, you and there's no purpose? Not your thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a, there's a purpose. People like it. Don't be that way. Don't be that guy. I am that guy. You can I'll say, die I, on that. Hill. You can say, I don't like it and I'm okay with that, but don't crack it and act like it doesn't have some value that people don't enjoy. I want to go get the bejeeper scared out of me. Well, some people like that. You're on not, purpose. But then again, somebody walks behind you and says boo and you lose your That's mind. That's not entirely true. I'm the sneak up on people person. I know. Well, you yeah, know you far, but but occasionally if somebody gets the drop on you. You're a little jumpy. A little Thank jumpy. You, you're a little yeah. jumpy. Yeah. All right. It is, of course, the nine o'clock hour. It's Tuesday. It's time for Mav Day when we talk with Colorado Mesa coaches and athletes. Coming up in a moment, Mike DeGeorge, Taylor Wagner, also Chris Hanks, baseball coach of the Cumberland Mesa Mavericks. But it's time right now to talk with the head coach of the Maverick men, Mike DeGeorge. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line. His team coming off a sensational weekend 
when the 19th-ranked Mavs knocked off number 13 Colorado School of Mines and then went to Metro State and completed the weekend sweep. Maverick men's coach Mike DeGeorge with us. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Doing well, Jim. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk with you, especially after a weekend like your team had this past weekend. I mean, for the third time, you go into enemy territory, into their gym against a, a top 15-ranked team, and you come out with a victory. And you do that against, of course, Colorado School of Mines on, on Friday night with the 87-66 to victory. You get a little payback for that opening uh, loss in conference play earlier in the season. I mean, what is what has been the recipe for your team to go on the road and get wins against top 15 teams in their building? Because it's, it's been truly remarkable. Well, I think, you know, uh, one is we've just gotten a lot better as a basketball team. So I just think we're playing at a high level right now. And then, yeah, you got to think about what this group has been through. When they were freshmen, it was COVID. And, you know, we ran through the RMAC, ended the regular season ranked number one in the country, and then obviously had a disappointing NCAA tournament. And then last year they rallied through all kinds of injuries and, you know, beat the number one seed in the region and a team that spent 12 weeks at ranked number one in the country on their home floor and they go to the Sweet 16 and then have a tough loss versus Black Hills to go to the Elite Eight. So if this group has been through a lot, they're, they're not going to go on the road and be intimidated by environment. You know, the better the environment, the bigger the opponent, the more they're up for it and ready. And we saw that this weekend. I thought Friday night was one of our the best efforts that we've had all around in my time here. And, uh, you know, and then Saturday, particularly in that first half, was not. <laughs> but they rallied and found a way to get it done in that second half. Before we talk about Blaze 3, who continues to be just you know, remarkable for your basketball team, let's talk about a couple of guys uh, off the bench. Elijah Knutson, 4 for 4, and he only played 7 minutes. But, I mean, he finished with 12 points. Um, the second highest total in his freshman career. So, I mean, he comes off the bench, has a big game. Christopher Speller gives you 10 points as well. Owen Koontz had 11 points. I mean, there were, there were certainly, you know, the, the bench guys played a big, big role in that win Friday night at Golden. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when the ball gets moving, all three of those guys uh, can, can really make major contributions because, they're good in space, and, uh, you know, if Elijah on get any space at all, um, you know, we know they're going to make shots. And then Christopher Speller, we've moved him off the ball and let Elijah be the backup point guard, which has really uh, activated both of their games. Uh, Christopher's just really finding gaps to get into, making plays, moving the ball. And then, you know, I think since we've come back from Christmas, he's shooting like 45% from three. So, um, so just a well-rounded effort, you know, at, at both ends by all three of those guys really giving us boost off the bench and then blaze three you know 24 points um he the eighth time you know he's exceeded 24 points in a game eight of or or hit that number uh, eight of 16 from the field didn't miss from three-point range of the foul line um made all three of his threes hit all five of his foul shots uh you, you can't ask blaze three to be more effective more efficient than he was the other night yeah, I mean, he's not only uh, physically dominant, but now he just has this total command of the game, and he's keep getting his teammates involved. He, he moves the ball when it should move. He He's making shots when shots need to be made. He's getting to the paint and finishing or finding his teammates. And so, you know, the whole thing has just kind of come together where he's just not only a good player, but he's making everybody else on the floor better. And so it's been really fun to watch his emergence this year into that next level and, you know, he's really playing at all-American level right now. 
Mike DeGeorge, the coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, with us on the Team Sports Network. He had fast starts in, in both halves of the game at Mines. It wasn't necessarily the, the way it worked out on Saturdays. You got a reference, Mike, uh, where you had to come back and, and, and claw your way back in the second half to get that win at Metro State, uh, winning 71-64. to But uh, defense was the key. We, we've talked about it a lot this season. Now, it, it took a while for your team to really kind of round into, into shape defensively the way you wanted this team to play. And uh, in the second half, you forced 11 turnovers, held them without a point for the final four and a half minutes. Defense came out strong and played brilliantly in those closing minutes of that game at Metro. Yeah, I was really proud of their response at halftime. I thought, you know, they just rallied together and, um, you know, really came out with just incredible defensive intensity in that second half. And, you know, I think we held them to 21 points in that second half total. And they also hit like three kind of crazy threes, in my opinion, that were pretty low percentage. And so, you know, it was really a lockdown effort uh, by us in that second half. And, you know, we needed every every effort uh, to survive that one. So, and then I, I think it's important to just talk about Mac, uh, Reniker, and uh, Trevor Baskin and what they're bringing. You know, their offensive numbers been a little bit up and down just because as the ball has been moving more and we've been shooting it so well from three. There have been less opportunities for those guys in the game. And, you know, it's, but the way they're impacting the game at both ends of the floor has been absolutely huge for this basketball team. And then obviously Trevor came through and really won the game down the stretch uh, at uh, Metro. He had great offensive rebounds and uh, was getting fouled and hit threes and, and, uh, and made a bunch of plays against their pressure as well. So he, you know, it was great to see him have a breakout offensive game again. Uh, but he's been making a major contribution to him and Mac in other ways. And no doubt Trevor with his fifth double-double of the season, 21 points, 11 rebounds, and getting back to defense. Isaac Jessup, four steals, and he also scored 10 points, hit a couple of three-pointers, but uh, defensively, those four steals, big ones for you, Mike, in that game against the Roadrunners. Yeah, Isaac is playing at an incredibly high level. I mean, he's been the guy that, you know, a year ago, he just was like, you could see his talent there, but he just couldn't quite put the pieces together in our system. He was just really, you know, everything just didn't seem to come naturally to him. And then at the beginning of this year, he was a totally different player in practice. He was just playing the way he is in the games now. And then at about midseason, he's really just settled into the games. And, I mean, he's just being so efficient, and he's just a hawk on defense, and he's getting – you know, it seems like three or four steals every game, and, and he's getting, you know, double figures on four or five shots. I mean, he's really just been incredibly efficient and playing with a tremendous amount of confidence. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Colorado Mesa men's basketball team with us on the Team Sports Network. This weekend, it's New Mexico Highlands Friday, and then CSU Pueblo on Saturday. You uh, defeated Highlands earlier in the season when you went to Las Vegas, picked up the victory 84-53, to and that one... Uh, Dante Moses had 17 points to lead them. He was the only guy in double figures for former uh, Mav basketball player and uh, assistant coach Mike Dominguez. And then Blaze Street had the 16 points you had. That night, Mike, against Highlands, you had five guys in double figures. Christopher Speller had a big game off the bench with 14 points. And uh, with this Highlands team right now, seventh in the uh, RMAC standings right now, eight teams get to the uh, postseason in the RMAC tournament. This is a really important game for them, obviously important for you as you try to uh, have a shot at tracking down that top spot and hosting the RMAC tournament, but it's a really important game for the Cowboys to stay in the mix to make the RMAC tournament. 
Yeah, it's a huge game for both them and Pueblo coming in this weekend. I mean, Westminster is uh, just a, a little bit ahead of them in the standings who they play on this road trip as well. But they're, I think right now they've got one win on the road and, and only one loss at home in the league. So uh, it's a very difficult road trip for those teams. And, and honestly, they, Westminster's got a better record at home in the league than we do. So, um, so you know, they're, they're going to be coming in fired up uh, trying to, trying to get a spot in that conference tournament they can get a win here uh it obviously puts them in a great position to do that or help them win tiebreakers which they'll probably looks like there will be and so you know we know we're going to get their best efforts um that game at highlands uh you know it had we kind of built it was kind of a similar pattern for us we built a lead and the other team started to press us and uh and we struggled a little bit with that we just did a nice job in that second half they got the lead down to like 14 and then we had a burst uh, in that second half to, to put the game out of hand. So, you know, it'd be another big challenge. You have very good individual talent, and they're going to pressure us and, and really try to force us into some turnovers. I mentioned Dante Moses had 17 for them the last time you played. He's averaging 24 points per game, one of the top scorers in the RMAC this season. What what makes him such a, a challenge to guard, Mike? What makes him such a good offensive player? Well, he can really score in the mid-range. He's incredibly long and uh, athletic, and so he just... You know, they just run a bunch of series to kind of get him the ball around the free throw line and just let him go one-on-one, and they have, you know, quite a bit of shooting on the floor. So it really just ends up in an isolation matchup. And uh, so Mac Renneker uh, did an unbelievable job on him the first time and, and uh, you know, held them significantly below his averages without having to create all kinds of help where then all, all, all their other players uh, have big nights too. And so holding everybody else in single digits and him to 17 was – Absolutely the key to the game. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, with us on the Team Sports Network and CSU Pueblo on Saturday. And uh, you were able to get the seven-point win uh, when you went there the last time. And uh, Isaiah Thompson, for them, named the RMAC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, it's a CSU Pueblo team that, like you said, Mike, same deal with New Mexico Islands and CSU Pueblo, two teams that these are really important games to them. Pueblo right now, they're fighting with the uh, UCCS for that that eight spot, both uh, seven eleven in conference play right now. So for the for the Thunderwolves, this is a really important game coming up on Saturday. Yeah, not only that, I we were you know I think if uh, you were to rate their talent, they probably have top five talent in the league. They just haven't shot it very consistently this year, so they're very dangerous. Two years ago, two years or I guess it was last year when we played them, they came in in the first half, they just shot the lights out, and we were down and. Uh, you know, they're just so physical and athletic, and when they shoot it like that, it's a it's a real challenge, and we really had to battle uh, to get the win, and, and it was a similar kind of game at their place. I mean, it was a defensive-minded game, and we were fortunate to survive that. So we know it'll be a big test and uh, should be a great game. Well, last time you played them, uh, Meekness Payne exceeded his normal scoring average. He had 16 points in that game. Uh, Leon Romero has been their, their top scorer this season. And uh, he was held to just nine points in that basketball game. But uh, uh, Ramiro, like I said, has been their best player offensively this season. Yeah, and he was going through a little bit of a slump when we played him the first time. But, uh, again, last year he really uh, had a big game at our place and, and carried the load offensively. And he's one of those guys that can that's a little scary He can't when he gets going. When he sees him start going through, the basket looks, his, uh, looks like he's at the beach and he's throwing it into the ocean. So you got to really stay into him and not – let him get uh, an advantage. And, you know, again, we're fortunate to have Isaac Jessup, who's been just awesome guarding some of those smaller, quicker shooting guards uh, this year. And so, um, 
So that'll be a big test for him, but uh, we know he's up for the challenge. And this weekend, I mean, to, to stay in that that chase to get the top spot in the conference, uh, Black Hill State, they're 16-1, and 22-1 right now. They have Fort Lewis, who is right now at, at 15-2, 21-2 overall. And then, of course, your Maverick basketball team uh, right behind them at 15-3. Uh, and three. That Fort Lewis at Black Hill State, the uh, Yellow Jackets also have Adam State this weekend. So, Sure, a little bit of a uh, little bit of scoreboard watching at times for you and uh, and uh, Kyle Boucher as far as how things are going with those games at Spearfish. Yeah, I have some breaking news for you. The Fort Lewis um, and uh, Black Hills game from earlier in the year that got canceled was made up last night. They played at Fort Lewis last night, and Fort Lewis won. Uh, they were up like twenty six at the half, so uh, it was very difficult matchup to guard. Uh, for Black Hills to guard their guards. Um, and so they play again this Friday. So right now we're a game behind. Both teams have two losses. And one of them obviously has to lose on Friday night. So if we can keep taking care of business, uh, we still got a real shot here to, to win a share of the regular season. And if we did, we would end up hosting because we'd win all the tiebreakers. I didn't look far enough on the uh, up on the schedule to see that one from from Monday night at eighty eight to seventy eight. You don't expect an automatic game on a Monday. So no, I well, and you guys are playing on Wednesday and Thursday next week. We don't normally expect to see that either. So that's a little it'll be a little bit different as well. But uh, but yeah, with with Fort Lewis getting the win last night, just uh, enhances your position. As I mentioned, they will play Fort Lewis again uh, this time at home coming up on Friday. Then Adam State on Saturday. So. Uh, I guess a moment where we can thank the Skyhawks, right, Mike, for uh, for a little yeah. bit of help? Yeah, Bob Featurek called me yesterday. He said it's the first time he was excited about the game because it was the first time any from, anybody from Mesa was ever cheering for him. So. <laughs> well, that, that ended after last night. You can tell him that, that that's, that's over with after last night. Hey, Mike, that's we right. appreciate it. We'll have uh, the games course this weekend on the team, CMU Sports Network, Friday night for, uh, of course, New Mexico Islands, Saturday uh, as CSU Pueblo comes in, women's pregame at 5.15 both nights. They'll tip it at 5.30. The men at 7.30 both nights. Get over and cheer on the Mavs this weekend at Brownson when they take on both Highlands and CSU Pueblo. Mike, I always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. All right, take care. All right, Mike to George. Yeah, you don't normally think of an RMAC game on a uh, Monday night. But yeah, that it's was, a little weird. That was the case. Appreciate Mike uh, clarifying that for mm-hmm. us on the program this morning. Let's see, this Mavericks team, I was... Looking at this, I would just kind of did finished off the math. It's the fourth straight 21 team for uh, the notorious MDG. It's the fastest to 20 wins in that stretch. Usually the 20th win comes later in February or in March. A 10-game winning streak helped that. Helps out a lot. Yeah. Big help. But 20 wins. 26 is the high watermark for a season under Mike DeGiorgio. Yeah, they- they could get there, they got beyond, a shot. get there and beyond that this season, potentially. All right, 9-19. Talk some Maverick men's basketball. The women's team coming off a weekend sweep as well. And we'll talk with Taylor Wagner coming up in just a moment. Text or call the show today, 970-242-1340. The Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on the team. 922, Jim and the Buckeye Boy, and time to talk Maverick women's basketball with the head coach of the Maverick women, Taylor Wagner. Good morning, Taylor. How are you? 
Good. How you guys doing? Doing fine. Team's on a three-game winning streak, and I think if you go back to early in the season, uh, <laughs> you were pining for a winning streak like this, Taylor, to go on the road, play the way you've been playing. Uh, it's It's been a great turnaround by your basketball team, and boy, coming up with that, that upset against uh, Cover School of Mines on Friday night, really helping to strengthen your position when it comes to the RMAC tournament. Yeah, I mean, we, we knew we had to go in and at least get a split on this road trip, and uh, that game against Mines, I mean, they just came out, we're really focused, and it's the first time all year we've really played four quarters, and just, you know, they grinded it out against a really good uh, Colorado School of Mines team. Yeah, they're 12th ranked in the nation, or they were going into that game, you get the 59-52 to victory, and and the way you finished in the fourth, and, and that's been a discussion point I think we've had on this program a few times, it's been about learning how to finish games, and we, we saw that, there was... A bit rough in that game against UCCS, but you found a way to finish the game and get the victory against the Mountain Lions. 13-3 run over the final 644 of the game. Um, they, they did get the lead you know, for the final time at 50-49, but then uh, Tia Slade, who had a great game, 22 points. Just the way your team finished that game, you have to be thrilled with the way your team's learning how to win basketball games. Yeah, I mean, they, they just continue to you know figure things out. We're not making as many mistakes as we did earlier on in the year, and again, that's just that's just time. They need they need that time on the court, in those situations, and they really learn from it. But we've got a different spirit about our team right now, and there's you know the girls are believing, and you know it just there's something that they've got going, and hopefully we can continue it on with this weekend and the homestand and and finish off the regular season the right way. Now, correct myself, T had the big game against Metro State. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But uh, Olivia Reed, freshman, it seems like we talk about her every week, the maturation that uh, Olivia's gone through. Uh, another outstanding game, 15 points. Monica Brooks has played so well here at the end of the regular season. She had 14 points for you. Kylie Kravig had, had 12 points. Those three really helped to lead the way offensively. And Laura Gutierrez with a, a really good performance off the bench with 10 points and a three. Yeah, you know, I, our, the key going into that Mines game was rebounding. They out-rebounded us 17, I believe, the first time we played them. And, and, you know, Olivia cleaned up the boards. She was phenomenal. And Monica played great. Kylie played great. Like you mentioned, Laura coming off the bench. And, and that's what we need from everybody is we, we just can't have one girl go off. We need multiple people to, to have a good game and, and that was one thing too. Like, hey, we everyone needs to have their game this weekend, and not everyone has to shoot it more, but everyone has to, you know, get to the free throw line or, or, or make your th- open threes or you know get something in transition. Those were the things we were kind of talking about. Just be more efficient. I felt like our team really did that this weekend. Yeah, and you like you said, you really cut down the rebounding disparity against the Ordiggers. It was 41-36 in favor of them, but uh, certainly a far cry from what you referenced where it was uh, double digits the last time uh, you faced them. And then referencing Tia Slade, who had just a remarkable game, 22 points. She had four threes that she made. It was a career night for her as a Maverick. And that's where what you're talking about, players taking advantage of opportunities. She had some opportunities from three-point range, and she really delivered against Metro State in that 65-60 to win. Yeah, I mean, she kept us in the game. You know, we came out, Metro went to a 2-3 zone right at the beginning. 
Um, our inside game was kind of taken away a little bit, and, and she just continued to hit shots. And, and really, like I said, at the beginning of the game, she just um, kept us in there and kept us believing. And it was good to see her have that type of game. She's been playing really well and working really hard. It's starting to pay off for her. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Cover Mesa women's basketball team, joining us today. And you know, when you look at uh, you know, some of the other players that, that stepped up and played well, uh, Kylie Kravick had a really good weekend. I may not always show in terms of scoring, but what she does in regard to running your offense, making smart decisions, she just continues to develop uh, as a really solid floor general for you. Yeah, I mean, the Mines game, they pressured us so much in that first half. We couldn't get anything going, and, and she hung with it. We kind of switched things up of how we were going to enter the ball in that second half. And, uh, but defensively, she always has a big assignment, and she just continues now to – she's getting to the free throw line a lot for us, so she continues to keep growing and get better for us and, and just looking more comfortable out on the floor. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Colorado Mesa women's basketball team, joining us. Now it's New Mexico Highlands on Friday, CSU Pueblo on Saturday. Both those teams are, are fighting to get into the RMAC tournament. And when you look at the last time you played New Mexico Highlands, Taylor, they gave you a heck of a time. Uh, down in Las Vegas, New Mexico, you ended up getting the win 68-63. to But that was a hard-fought win on the road at Las Vegas. It was. You know, that's a tough place to play. And, you know, some of, a lot of those girls haven't played there. Uh, they've got some really good players. Uh, one of their guards. I mean, she's a little lefty. She plays like Luca, you know. She <laughs> kind of looks slow, but she has great change of speed, can shoot the three, great pull-up jumper. You know, teams really struggled um, containing her, and then they got a great post player that, you know, rebounds, blocks shots, goes on the low block. So, and they have really good pieces, and they've they've given everybody fits the whole year. And like you said, we, we were lucky to come out with the win down the first time we played them. Yeah, Juliana Aragon has led them in scoring this year almost 15 points per game. Uh, she's hit uh, 29 threes on the season. Rachel uh, Niles for them has also played really well, 14 points per game. So you're right, a couple of really good scores for a basketball team that's a hungry basketball team trying to push their way into the RMAC tournament, uh, currently 7-11 in conference, 13-11 overall. And then Saturday night, it's another team that uh, is you know, right there trying to, to stay in the, the top eight for the RMAC tournament in CSU Pueblo 9-9 nine and nine right now, Taylor 12-12. and 12. So for both these teams, for both Highlands, Pueblo, and, and your basketball team as well, these are crucial games coming up this weekend because right now you're tied with Pueblo both at 9-9 nine and nine in conference play. Yeah, I mean, a really big game. That first game with Highlands, they're still fighting to get in and have a legitimate chance to get in. And, uh, you know, like I said, they've given everybody fits uh, the whole year. And then the Pueblo team, we're tied with them right now for seventh place. And, uh, you know, one better, if not the best, three-point shooting team in our league. And I know the first time around when we played them, they hit 14 three-pointers. We had a chance at the end. uh, uh, You know, we missed a three in the corner to to win the game. But they're going to be really difficult to play. And like I said, they're hungry, we're hungry, and, these next couple of games are really going to decide, uh, you know, who gets in and who doesn't. When you address the Thunderwolves and their, their perimeter game, their three-point shooting game, what, what's what's the message this week leading up to that game in terms of defending the three? Because that will be a, a big part of, of Saturday's matchup if you can slow them down from three-point range. 
Yeah, and, you know, where we got in trouble was we got beat off the dribble, and, you know, then we come to help, and then they kick to a three because a lot of the times they'll just play five guards. So, you know, we've got to do a better job of staying in front and, uh, you know, differentiating, hey, is my teammate beat? I need to go help, or it's just not beat. I can kind of stay on the perimeter and not give up the shot that they want. So you know, it's something that we're going to work on in practice and, and really hit home to the girls. It's like we've really got to do a great job keeping these uh, girls in front of us. Yeah, you, you lost by a point last time to them. And uh, you know, even though you, you dominated them on the glass in that game, losing 67-66, and a player that, that had a pretty solid game for them uh, came off the bench, Jalen Long. She had 15 points. And then um, Cherise Fairley had the double-double, 11 points and 10 rebounds and a steal in that game and a block shot. So a uh, couple players that uh, you hope to, to limit what they can do coming up on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, the long girl came in and had a great game, and probably her best game of the whole year. And, and she, I don't know, she's always had a, you know, a good game against us the last couple of years. So we've really got to keep everybody in check and not let, let people have career nights on us. And, uh, the Fairley girl is a Division One transfer, uh, great three-point shooter, great length, uh, really athletic, and we've got our hands full with them. So, you know, hopefully our girls are getting up for them, and they remember what happened the last time. And, uh, but like I said earlier, we've got something different about us. I hopefully, you know, playing at home will give us an added boost, and and we can finish off the season the right way. And of course, for Pueblo too, Janiya Davis, the RMAC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, having a good stretch coming into this one on Saturday. So you can catch both the games on the Team CMU Sports Network, presented by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Highlands coming up on Friday night, CSU Pueblo Saturday, over at Brownson Arena. Our coverage both nights for the women pregame at 5.15, and then tip-off at 5.30. The men follow at 7.30 Friday and Saturday on the Team CMU Sports Network. Taylor, I appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. All right, Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team, joining us on the program this morning. All right, text or call us 970-242-1340. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Chris Hanks, Maverick baseball coach. Coming up in a little bit, uh, Mavericks get six-ranked uh, Southern New Hampshire at the Diamond on Thursday. Mother Nature co- hopefully will cooperate <laughs> with us on that one coming up on Thursday, so we'll talk with Chris Hanks coming up in just a few minutes. All right, text or call the show today, 970-242-1340. Maybe the most unusual thing you've done with your spouse on Valentine's Day. And also players that don't play on teams that you root for, but you love watching them play. Send that to us today. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. It's 933, and it's time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, go back to 1951. Sugar Ray Robinson wins a middleweight title, the TKO, in the 13th round over Jake LaMotta, of course, who was made famous by Robert De Niro in Raging Bull. 1992, Bonnie Blair becomes the first American woman in 40 years to win two gold medals at the Winter Olympics. Also, 2010, the U.S. wins the America's Cup after a two-race sweep. Also on this day, 2010, East Edges West in the NBA All-Star Game before the largest crowd ever to watch a basketball game. So it was the Eastern Conference with a 141-139 to win. 
and a crowd of 108,713. Do you remember where they played it? Nope. Cowboys Stadium. Oh, hey. D. Wade, 28 points. He won the MVP in that one. And in 1988, Bobby Allison outduels his 26-year-old son, Davey, to win the Daytona 500. And Pride of Colorado, back in 2015, Michaela Schifrin becomes the third woman to win back-to-back slalom titles at the Worlds. That's this day in sports history. We'll take a break. Come back, talk a little Maverick baseball and Mav Day. And I believe uh, Conrad Villafuerte is going to join us tomorrow on the program from the Maverick baseball team. So make sure you join us tomorrow for that. But the Skippers coming up next. Chris Hanks, the head coach of the Maverick baseball team. That's on the way on the Jim Davis Show on the team, Sports Network. Craptastic. That's just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking CMU baseball with Mav skipper Chris Hanks on the team. With us right now on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, the coach of the 4-0 Colorado Mesa Mavericks baseball team, Chris Hanks, joins us. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you? I'm doing fine. Hopefully the weather will get a whole lot nicer before Thursday rolls around when Southern New Hampshire gets here. But let's go back to this last weekend where some really good crowds out to watch your ball club open up the season. You get the sweep against Azusa Pacific. And uh, I know we did the game, the, the opener last Thursday, uh, what a big day for Conrad Villaforte. He was four for four, the plate. He reached base five times, drove in a couple of runs. Uh, Conrad had one heck of a game, that opening game, and a good weekend as well for your ball club. Yeah, he was fantastic all weekend. Uh, really dialed in. I did a lot of things to help us win. So I was really happy for him, you know, here in his last year, and we're looking for big things from him all year. You know, another guy that uh, had a really good weekend, uh, a newcomer to your ball club, Declan Weisner. Uh, Declan with a couple of bombs uh, and hit that big two-run shot when you won that final game of the series, six to three. Yeah, Declan. Uh, Declan had some timely hits. Uh, you know, and he caught very well too. Threw out a couple of runners. So you know, he's a good addition to our ball club. And you know, as we get to know him, we we keep finding out that. You know, he's a real asset just because of his character alone. Chris Hanks, the coach of the Cotter Mesa Mavericks baseball team, with us on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Mavs sweeping the four-game set, winning 9-5, 20-15, 13-3, 6-3. What do you feel like you learned about your ball club, Chris, with, with all the changes, uh, you know, the departure, of course, of Hayden McGeary and Spencer Bramwell and Jordan Stubbings and Caleb Farmer, all big, important bats for your, your ball club, and, of course, Hayden, the National Player of the Year as well. But what do you feel like you kind of learned about this group of players that you have this year after a, an opening sweep? Well, I'll tell you what, more than anything, uh, I would tell you that I really think this team has a, a special uh, spirit uh, about them. Uh, they're very close. They're very bought in. They really care about each other and pull for each other. It's really a, it's really a special group, I think, uh, in, in terms of that. Give me your thoughts about what you saw from your pitching staff. I know with, with Cannon Handy, he had the, the one bad inning in the opener where he gave up the grand slam and the solo home run, but I thought uh, all your relievers that came in did an outstanding job in that, that win in the opener. Uh, I think you had a guy like Cole Seward that pitched really well uh, in the series, went the five innings in his start, six hits and three runs. Did a nice job. 
kind of give me your evaluation of what you and Jeff Rogers thought about what you saw from your arms this past week. Well, you know, for the most part, we were uh, we were very pleased. There were a couple of little rough spots. A couple of guys need to make some adjustments, but I think overall uh, we've got really good arms. I think we have depth. There are three or four kids we really wanted to pitch last weekend that just didn't get in the games. So we have some other kids that I think can be very impactful to us, and I think it's a group that uh, possesses a lot of ability. I'm really excited see where this pitching staff ends up. Chris Hanks, coach of the Maverick baseball team, joining us on the Team Sports Network. Uh, now you have the six-ranked uh, Southern New Hampshire ball club coming in, a team that uh, made it to, to carry North Carolina last year, lost to Westchester in the Division II World Series. Uh, they, they fell uh, in that one by the score of 7-3 of to three to be eliminated from the College World Series. But Southern New Hampshire with a uh, a great arm, a uh, guy that was uh, NCBWA preseason All-America selection, honorable mention selection, and Trevor Annabal, a uh, guy that's a really good arm for them, uh, all-East region uh, selection as well. They come in playing their first baseball of the season, but uh, a team that has experience from going to the World Series last year. Yeah, in fact, I think they've been the last two. Uh, they're very well coached. Uh, we have a great deal of respect for them. They they have really good arms. Uh, there's a chance that uh, their pitching will be as good as any pitching we see all year. Uh, they're always very strong in that area. Uh, you know, they have a long trip out here. They are opening up. Um, but they are traditionally, as everybody knows, from a colder climate. So, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, a huge adjustment for them playing in 30s, 40s, things like that. Uh, I think uh, we're matched up for a very good uh, competitive weekend. Yeah, the Penman coming in, like you said, their first uh, baseball of the season after going to the World Series last year. We're talking with Colorado Mesa baseball coach Chris Hanks. Chris, talk about the guys they have back from that team and about what that lineup looks like for them. Well, they have about uh, six positional starters returning. Uh, they lost their biggest bat. Uh, and, you know, they have uh, two of their primary starters returning and two of their primary bullpen kids. So, you know, in a three-game set, they'll be able to stretch that pitching uh, further than you would say in a four-game set. We're still in the process of doing all the scouting of them, uh, but they are going to be a formidable opponent. I know they've they brought in some good transfers. I know they have some kids they're excited about that uh, you know haven't played in their program yet, but they're new to their squad this year. So, again, uh, they're going to be a good baseball team. They'll be. They'll be the best team in the East region uh, when it, when it's all said and done. They've established that, you know, over the last five to ten years. So they'll be in the mix late. So this is a good series for us to see this quality ball club this early. And to get them to come out from the East Coast. T- take us through how you were able to put this together to get Southern New Hampshire to come out here and play because we know it's that's not always easy to do. Well, yeah, you know, it's tough. We actually, they came out in 2020 on the – the COVID year they came out. That was the first time. Uh, uh, I got to meet Scott Lizeo, their head coach, really good guy. He's a guy that will go anywhere, play anybody, anytime. Um, he wants to play good programs. And we just swung a deal. We help him with some hotel rooms. And then uh, uh, we, you know, we send, uh, we go over and pick him up in Denver and get him here. Uh, and, you know, in the end, it's very difficult. All our programs, struggle with non-league scheduling uh, 
home contests where, you know, Grand Junction's not, you know, teams can stop in Denver and it's more convenient. It's, it's harder to get them to come out here in a more rural area. Uh, you know, we have a, an airport, but it's very expensive to get into. So we have to get creative in how we do it. But at the end of the day, regardless of what we do to attract uh, some schools to come here, like Azusa Pacific, uh, it's still cheaper to have them come here than it is to travel. So uh, it takes a lot of work. It's just a, a relationship that gets developed, and you got to find somebody who's willing uh, to, to travel the distance, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. And we plan on having uh, Thursday's game, pregame at 2.15, first pitch at 2.30, uh, when the Mavericks take on Southern New Hampshire. Uh, we'll have it right here on the team CMU Sports Network, presented by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Chris, hopefully the weather will uh, will be conducive to some baseball like it was last weekend, and I'll see you out there Thursday uh, for that opener with the Penman. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate your support. Likewise. Take care. Chris Hanks, coach of the Maverick baseball team, joining us on the program today. All right, uh, 947, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles player that you love to watch maybe doesn't play for your team also maybe the the most unusual thing you've taken your significant other to for valentine's day send that our way now we have dom who had the horror movie marathon they did with his the significant other i'd much rather go <laughs> watch bolt riding i would to be I, honest i'm i'm okay with horror films i'm all right but they gotta be i'm not i'm not a big like slasher guy i like I like them to be legitimately scary. Slasher stuff doesn't just gory, doesn't really do anything for me. It's got to be kind of scary. Yeah. I know everybody thinks Blair Witch was scary. It was kind of scary because it was a little bit like old radio mm-hmm. theater. It was a little bit theater of the mind because you didn't really see things initially. You yeah. heard things. Most terrifying movie was, I've ever seen has Melissa McCarthy in it. So. That was with, Tammy. <laughs> I have nightmares about that movie. Okay, and I, I have to bring this up, and I, I don't dislike Melissa McCarthy. She seems like a nice lady. But why is now everything she's in, her husband has to be in it? Like the commercial in the Super Bowl, her husband was in it. Why does he have to be in everything now? There's a show they had on Netflix Apparently that, they have to work that he's in it. Yeah. It's like, does he have to be in everything she does now? Apparently. Apparently that's, so. that's how it works. I guess so. I don't know. All right, 948. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. Uh, let's go ahead and open up the lid. Let's get into the gar- dumpster a little bit early, okay? Yeah. We'll root around a little bit. It's time for Garbage Time. We're taking out the trash. It's Garbage Time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right. Right now, they're on the get-ups. They're talking about... Is uh, no, no, actually, it's, I'm sorry, it's not the get ups. Get ups is over. It's um, one of their many, one deba- of their many random d- shows, debate that shows that they have. If it's first take, first takes on right now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is <laughs> sorry, is is Andy Reid a top five coach NFL history? I'm, I don't say actually no, a good debate. I don't. You know, I'm automatically say no. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have top five, top ten. Yes. Yeah, right. Top ten. 
pushing top five, I would think. Okay, so let's just kind of talk this out a little bit. Belichick, yes, ahead of him. Or in the top five. Belichick, Lombardi, Noel, Shula. Is there anybody else that automatically jumps ahead of Andy Reid? It's mm. a good question. Relatively modern era, because I know there's Hallis that's kicking around out there, right? But mm. Walsh, Walt, well, Jimmy yeah. Johnson. What about Ch- Shanahan? They got equal number now of Super Bowl wins. Yeah, less half as many appearances. Yeah, that's. So I would I would say Andy Reid ahead of so, Shanahan. Yeah, I would. Say I know that. he never won any. Dan Reeves did coach to two teams to combine four Super Bowls. Okay, that's not nothing. He's, he's not ahead of Belichick. What about Landry? Oh, Landry. See, that's what about another Tom one. Landry? Won two Super Bowls. They went two fifty one sixty two and six over his twenty nine years there. I don't think he. Uh, I don't think so. Vince Lombardi, six Four NFL championships, two NFL, and his two NFL titles. He's not ahead Super of Lombardi. He's not. I mean, Lombardi also went 96 and 34 and six. Mm-hmm. Didn't win as many games, but man, the Packers yeah. were just so dominant. Don Shula, as you mentioned, the undefeated Dolphins. He won mm-hmm. two Super Bowls, most regular season wins Does at one point. Four appearances and 100 wins with two different teams. Put Andy Reid ahead of the Landrys and the Shulas. More Super Bowl appearances, I think, maybe. Or Landry yeah. maybe had more. I think he had four or five appearances. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I. I want tough. I, I want to say Landry still has the edge. So Landry, five Super Bowl appearances. Okay. And Andy's been there 250 wins. So he's not been there as many times. No, Andy's been there four. Right. But uh, so so he's not ahead of Belichick. Not ahead of Lombardi or Landry. Okay. Don Shula. The first ever undefeated season. Only two of his teams ever finished without a winning record. Yeah. And had the most wins at one point, you know, mm-hmm. before Belichick passed him. I mean, him. he's still a hundred wins ahead of Andy Reid. So, so no. So we get out. I would say no. Paul Brown. Oh no, absolutely, Paul <laughs> Brown ahead of uh... four AFC and three NFL championships. And then he won fifty-five games in Cincinnati. Yeah. I know you don't like to acknowledge that, but that wasn't his fault. Where? Thanks, Art Modell. Kentucky. Thanks, Art. For many things, mm, that really can, can we put Andy Reid ahead of Paul Brown? So, top five? I don't think so. Yeah. Really, at this point. Chuck Knoll's got four. We didn't even mention Chuck Knoll. It, we Bill didn't Walsh. even get to Chuck Knoll, Bill Walsh, Seifert, Jimmy Johnson, Dan Reeves. Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs. He won three. Yeah. One, three, Parcells. lost another Joe Gibbs. Yeah. Did they make it to four? Did he go... Th- Three and three. Three for three. I no, they don't. lost in 83 yeah. to the Raiders. 
That was the Marcus Allen reverse field. Yeah. And then with the pick. Mm-hmm. Jack Squirek, I think, with the pick. Back-to-back Super Bowl appearances for Joe Gibbs. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't say top five. What about Parcells? Top. Ooh. Three Super Bowl appearances, two one, wins. One, two. Giants maybe, and maybe Parcells. the Patriots. I'm, he might. He, he's in the Parcells neighborhood, I think. Yeah. So lower top ten. George Hallis won six NFL titles. Coach of the year twice. There's only like four teams back Yeah, so it's... And one of them was the... No offense to Papa Bear, but... Right. So I would say... I would say he could very well be in the bottom half of the top ten. Yeah. He could possibly fit into there. Yeah, that sounds right. He's better than Madden. Won one Super Bowl. Madden did go 103-32-7. But you gotta go. You gotta put... Andy Reid. You got to put Kool Aid Man over. Where's Sean Andy Zansky? Where's Marv Levy? Yeah. He is the only coach to have ever done something in the league that's four Super Bowls yeah. in a row. And Marv Levy was such a tremendous gentleman. Mm-hmm. You're talking about one of the smartest, classiest guys? Yeah. Marv Levy would be that guy. And a very underrated coach because they never won a Super Bowl. Yeah. But made, they made it to four. They made four straight. And. Fortunately, losing all four of them. Yeah. All right, tomorrow's program, Connor McGahee, we believe. We hope uh, Chris Dempsey tomorrow. Talk a little nuggets for the All-Star break. So uh, make sure you join us tomorrow. It'll be a Wine About on Wednesday with Talon Wine. Coming up next, it's Jim Rome on the team. Thanks for joining us.